Welcome to everyone who is joining. My name is Ambika. I'm joined here with Manisha. Today, we're joined by the founder and CEO of Lendio. We're pretty excited to have uh, Brock on the show because uh, we want to talk about small businesses and that's his field. So with that, I'll kick it off with intros. My name is Ambika. I'm the, I started this with Manisha about 32 weeks ago and I'm a product manager in the financial technology space. So over to you, Manisha, for your introduction. Thanks, Ambika. I co-host with Ambika on the show every Wednesday. It has been an exciting ride and Brock, very looking forward to hearing from you. I mean, I think we did our research and there's a lot that you are up to. So can't wait to peel the layers back on Lendio. With that, Brock, a quick introduction. Yeah, so I'm Brock Blake. I'm the founder and CEO of Lendio. Uh, Lendio is the largest marketplace in the United States for business loans. What that means is... We're not a lender ourselves. We have business owners come to us when they're seeking a loan, growth capital. And we we have a group of about 100 lenders from SBA lenders to working capital, fintech lenders, lines of credit, term loans, what whatnot. So you can fill out one application and get access to many loan options and then comparison shop those loan options to choose the product that is the best fit for you. We just uh, celebrated our 10-year anniversary this year. We funded about $13 billion of loans, over 300 and about 50,000 small businesses across the United States, primarily located. Our headquarters is uh, just outside of Salt Lake City. We have office in Manhattan and in out in, in Long Island as well. And uh, we're passionate about all things small business. So super excited to be here today. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for the opportunity to have you, actually. So let's start with just your journey. Where are you from? You said that your company is based in Salt Lake, but are you from Salt Lake? What did you study? What led you to Lendio? Just a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, so I grew up here in Utah most of my life. I've lived down in Southern California. I've lived in South America for a few years as well. And I have been an entrepreneur kind of most of my life. I went to the BYU. I played soccer there in college. And uh, when I was in kind of playing soccer, I was always doing these side ventures. And uh, I actually entered an entrepreneurial competition. It was kind of like the TV show, The Apprentice, for those that remember that show back in the day. But we had 100 applicants and they narrowed it down to 50. And the 50 of us went through an eight-week boot camp and comp marketing competition and sales competition and all these different uh, finance competition. I ended up winning. Um, I was one of five that won and we got $50,000 that we could use to go start a business or buy a business or kind of do whatever we wanted. And uh, so with capital in hand, I started interviewing a bunch of businesses to learn from other entrepreneurs. And uh, I looked at a business that was an ice cream shop that we were considering buying and franchising. And I looked at a couple other technology companies, but every business owner that I spoke to seemed like their, their big, their, I'd ask them what their biggest challenge was of running their business. And they would say, it's capital. I need capital and I don't know how to get it. It's such a pain. So kind of started to identify there was an opportunity to help business owners get capital. And so we, when we initially the initial business concept was, well, let's help these business owners, these entrepreneurs get angel capital. Let's help them raise capital from angel or VCs. And, and 
so we did that. It was kind of like a speed dating or like a dating website. You post your business plan or like maybe like an angel list type business. We did a bunch of different events and, and we made every mistake in the book. I mean, we, we, we failed so hard, like time after time after time. But we realized that the the demand for capital, like business owners, was was really high. It was just that the they didn't most businesses didn't need equity capital. Most businesses are main street businesses, restaurant owners, or landscapers, and dry cleaners. And so, what about kind of you know flipping that on its head and focusing on kind of loans and debt capital? And and it took me about five years to figure that out, but we, I'm glad we did. And and. So we shut down that kind of concept and, and launched Lendio in 2011. So that's the very short story of how we got to starting Lendio. Nice. And so how did you meet your co-founder, Trent Miskin? He also studied at BYU. He's a computer science uh, grad, and he was uh, doing, had won a kind of a website competition and uh, so we somehow connected through there and i'm like all right you know the, the the prototypical he's the tech guy i'm the business guy let's figure out if we can do something together got it so let's go back to 10 10 years ago when you first launched in your early days how did you find your first set of customers and partners because lend you as you said is a marketplace if i were to ask this question differently it would be tell us about the magical moment when you found your product market fit yeah, so we knew that we, we, we started off acquiring customers through events. Again, we did the, these speed pitching events and we knew and like just word of mouth and networking and, and things like that. But then we started to kind of figure out how to acquire customers online. And this is all the previous business before Lendio. And, and we got, we became kind of decently good at it acquiring customers through SEO and other and Google and, and, and whatnot. And so when we, when we shut that business down and launched Lendio, we already had a little bit of a skill set. We knew how to acquire customers through online channels. What we didn't know how to do is get banks and we didn't know how to, you know, we like it, 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 and we didn't know the right business model. So from 2011 to 2014, literally for three years, we were trying like, we knew the market was there. We knew the demand was there, but we, we, but like, we just were wrestling trying to figure out the business model. At first it was lead gen and honestly, lead gen sucks. I hate that business model because it's just not a great customer experience. So business owner would come in looking for a loan and then we'd have lenders, you know, pay for a qualified lead and then the lender would reach it. We'd connect the borrower and the lender together. And that would, that didn't work great because you, you know, no one wants to sign up for a service. And then all of a sudden your phone call, your phone starts ringing off the hook from people trying to reach out to you. Then we tried a subscription service for the business owner and, and like, you know, maybe we can, they could pay a monthly service fee. That didn't work because for a lot of reasons. Then we tried a selling selling technology to the banks. We knew that the banks wanted new customers, but when we'd give them a new customer, they didn't know how to convert that customer from a interested 
applicant to a funded deal. And so we thought, oh, maybe we can sell them technology. And we started to get a little bit of traction with that. But we, at the same time, we were, we were testing, well, maybe we should, we should kind of do this marketplace where we handle the entire customer experience and, and give that business owner options, like present options to them. But we, we help walk them through the experience through either man, through a person or through our technology. And it wasn't until three years later in 2014, where we kind of tested that and we got the customer funded and the customer experience, like they loved it. They were like, that was awesome. And, and, and the payment on the deal wasn't too bad either. And we're like, well, maybe we've got something here. And so, you know, we started doing testing that out a little bit more and, and, and like doing it manually and, and the customers loved it and it was starting to work. So we've, we started to realize that we had something like we felt like that product market fit finally came three years later in 2014. And, and that's kind of where we haven't looked back since is we've built technology around it. We've scaled it. We've, you know, automated a lot of it. We've optimized it. And, uh, you know, now $13 billion later. So nice. nice. So during those three years when you were helping, well, you've been helping uh, small businesses find capital for the last 11 years, but during the first three years, as, as you were trying to find your product market fit, how did you fund your own company? Did you bootstrap this or were you able to get some VC funding? Uh, we did, we, we bootstrapped, we, we also kind of got debt capital. Like we put a bunch on credit cards. We kind of got friends and family money. Then we got, we had enough traction where we started to get some, some angel capital that kind of helped us get through the, that period. So we raised a few hundred thousand dollars and we finally got it to a point where we could, we had enough traction where we could raise you know, our first kind of series A was a $6 million. We didn't even, I mean, we didn't, we didn't really have seed stage. We had angel stage and kind of skipped that to a $6 million series A. Nice. Wonderful. And the last question, and then I'll pass it over to Manisha for a business model. You said between 2011, 2014, you didn't have a big bank as a partner. So could you tell us about that big partnership could be bank or whoever that proved to be an inflection point in your company's journey? Well, what we were, we were going out and adding every bank in America wanted to lend to new customers. So we knew we'd kind of hit a vein there. The problem was, is that many of those same banks, they, they had such a small, narrow footprint of like, for example, they, they, they only could lend with customers in one zip code. Or they only would lend to a customer, a business owner that had three years in business and had $3 million in revenue and was profitable. And so when you put all the criteria of a small zip code, really high criteria, it was like finding a needle in a haystack. And, and so we, it wasn't like we could really scale that. And so it was what really kind of started to turn instead of going to these small community banks we kind of changed pivoted and said okay let's let's go focus on 
some of the larger financial institutions that have a national footprint. Let's let's focus on some of these fintech lenders that you know have a different criteria and more automated lending processes. So I don't remember. I think it might have been on deck. Might have been on deck capital. Might have been like our first premier kind of national footprint uh, lender that we all of a sudden we realized, man, we can send significantly more volume to this to on deck than we could to bank, you know, community bank ABC. And so that was a game changer for us. Just to double click a little further, Brock, you've touched on the business model on marketplace. For me, it's a very fascinating model, right? Like you have two sets of users, suppliers who are your lenders, and then you have the businesses who have the need for financing. How, what are, what is the core, what are the core pillars that you think, you know, through your iterative process have identified for a successful marketplace? The innovative processes. Sorry, I, I, I missed that for a second. Oh, just what are some of the key pillars um, of a successful marketplace model? Oh, yeah. So two-sided marketplace, you know, you've got, you, there's a few things that are critical to success. So first off, you have to determine who is your real paying customer. Usually you've got one side of the marketplace that's your paying customer and the other side that's benefiting from it. And for us, the business owner, everything for them is free and we get paid by the lender. So that's one pillar that you that you try to you identify early on. Secondly, it is around how do you acquire customers efficiently and with with positive unit economics. And so I think figuring out your unit economics where we, we, we could go out and get small business owners signing up. And we had a high enough conversion rate to be able to kind of make those the the economics work. We could fund the loan and get paid, and and so positive unit economics and 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 kind of like the customer acquisition is is key. The third thing is around is creating this moat around data and optimizing your engine. So the more volume that we put through, the more lenders we have. The more volume we put through our our marketplace, the smarter our engine gets because we built machine learning and some other AI around it. You, you that that means your conversion rate continues to increase, which creates different gives you more data, which makes your 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 engine your kind of data moat smarter. And then you know there's just these flywheel effects that truly happen, and you get more customers, which equals more data, which with more data is higher conversion rate, higher conversion rate, better economics. With better economics, you can go and and leverage that for marketing dollars, and that flywheel just keeps spinning. And and so those are a few of the pillars that for us that we focus on that have have once you get that flywheel effect going, that creates kind of a competitive moat that it's hard for others to compete because they they're they're their conversion rate isn't high. Their economics aren't as good. They aren't able to to scale to as many customers, and uh, and that's why usually when you have a marketplace, there's kind of a, a winner takes most. There's kind of usually one or two winners 
you know, there's not a second Yelp out there that is like that everyone knows about or Amazon, like they, there becomes really de- defining winners in that space. If, if that two sided marketplace is done right. That was super helpful in trying to understand in the scaling that you mentioned related to the pandemic time. I think you quoted a Winston Churchill line around how you were, it was a moment of reckoning to step up. Would love to hear how the pandemic behaviors and how Lendio stepped up to fill some of the void uh, that was created. Yeah, I was just telling this story in my last meeting. So, so prior to the pandemic, Lindio was just really consistently growing kind of month over month, quarter over quarter. We were 22 months in a row where we hit our number from growth perspective. And just like our team, I was so proud of our team's ability to execute. And then all of a sudden, March of 2020, pandemic hits and literally overnight, Every lender on our platform went from give me as much volume as you could possibly give me to I can't take on, I'm not going to fund any loans for the next while because the, the world just changed and the rug got pulled out from under us. So we went from like zero supply from all, like a ton of supply to zero supply overnight. And during this time, we had a choice to make. Like we started to hear about these government programs, these stimulus packages that would include this paycheck protection program, PPP loans, that would allow every business in America to get access to a loan. And there was so little information around it, but we knew that every business owner needed it. We knew that we were positioned extremely well to do it. And while everyone else around us was doing layoffs and furloughs and just saying, you know what, we're going to wait until all this settles. We decided that we were positioned to, to make an impact on the on small businesses in America. And we had the technology, we had the brand, we had the position. We didn't even we didn't know if we could make one dollar in revenue by doing it, but we but we felt like we we needed to 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 go after it. So I had I had read this 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 quote by Winston Churchill that basically says that each individual is there will be a moment in their life where they are figuratively or literally tapped on the shoulder and given an opportunity for which they are uniquely qualified to deliver upon. And in and kind of said, you know, what a shame if in that moment they were un- they find themselves unprepared. And I took that quote and I said, this is our moment. I sent it out to my C team. I sent it out to our board. And I said, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know if we can make money on this, but I don't think we should do the layoffs. I think we should, in fact, go hire 250 people and let's go build out this application, this PPP application, and go for it. And let, we'll figure it out. You know, it'll work out somehow. And so we can, we really, we literally kind of bet the farm. We just raised a round a couple months earlier that gave us the confidence. And 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 uh, and come to find out, we've you know the day before the program launched, we realized you know actually we we can there is a way for us to be able to make money 
And so we went for it. Now, the PP, we, we funded a couple hundred thousand PPP loans and, and for billions of dollars. And we punched way above our weight class. And by all accounts, it was the, just an incredible story. The most meaningful thing I've ever done in my career took 10 years off my life. There were some very, very challenging things that we went through along the way, but to help the, the stories of the businesses that we helped during that time, during the pandemic and them just literally writing us thank you notes or sending us videos of thank yous of how we helped them when they were their backs against the wall, they, they needed PPP loan, their bank wasn't helping them. You know, they were getting lost in the shuffle with large banks and small community banks and, and our team kind of rallied to step up and help and make a, a big impact. It, it's, it was incredible, incredible experience for us to, to be able to go through. Thanks for sharing that. Sounds like Lendio was in a unique position and also prepared for it. <laughs> so that's, that's good to hear. I, I know we have about five minutes left. I just have one more question on the business model. You also do provide a direct to small business Sunrise bookkeeping software. So how does that tie into the marketplace concept? Yeah, so we've we've launched two new growth in, engines for the business. So we've got you know our core business, which is the two sided marketplace, and and we we wanted to deepen the relationship with borrowers and with lenders. And with borrowers, we started asking small businesses, what is it that they need that they, they could use help with that that you know we might be uniquely qualified to to help them with? And a big part of their the response we got was around cash flow and cash flow management and and which is kind of invoicing and 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 uh, P and L and some things around that. So we made an acquisition of a cash flow management product. And it's essentially what it does is when a business owner signs up to Lendio, they they have the ability to get access to a free, it's kind of a free QuickBooks Lite product. They can send out invoices, they can collect on payments, they sync their bank data. And with that data, what we are able to do is help them be smart around when to, how to manage that cash, meaning they usually have three options if they're if they're trying if they're managing their cash closely and they feel like they're going to run out of cash they can go collect on an invoice they can hold off paying a bill or they can get a loan and we've built some really cool prediction technology that we can now help them say it's kind of like mint like you're going to we can predict that you're going to run out of money in, in, in three weeks, you should go collect on this invoice or, you know what, you don't have an invoice. Maybe you should get a, you know, you should get a loan and do it now before you need it. And, or you're a seasonal business and you're coming in your down season, you know, you're, you're automatically approved for a loan. Get it now before you, you actually need it is the best time to get it. You're going to get a lower rate and you're going to get better terms. And so this idea, we talk about like where you, the magic happens where when you mix cash flow management and lending, where we hope that it's that we can build what I call an always on application where the business owner never has to go and apply for a loan again. It's they've got access to this, this system that is telling them today you're approved for 40,000. 
you know, click here to take it. Or next week you're approved for 80,000, or maybe it's decreases down to 10,000 or whatever, but we're helping them manage their cash and, and lending is just an extension of managing, managing that cash. So that's what we're doing there. We also are, are launching into some lender technology. A lot of banks and credit unions don't, aren't able to offer a business loans online to their customers. They force the customer, the business owner to go into the branch and fill out a paper-based application. And so the way we're deepening our relationship with our banks is this kind of lender platform that, that we're going to market with. So anyways, those are kind of our two growth engines and how Sunrise uh, fits into our marketplace. Thank you, Brock. So usually our format is 30 minutes moderated and 30 minutes audience questions. I feel like we barely just started. So time flew by. You're great. It's so fun to talk to you. Of all the questions, I guess the last one I will ask you is, how do you make money? Tell us more about your revenue model. Yeah, it's simple. When, we, when the business owner gets funded, the lender pays us an origination fee. And so that's... It's all success based on the, the loan volume that we put through. Wonderful. Okay. So with that, we are um, now ready to start our audience Q&A. So I see some party has in the audience, which is an indicator to me that you are brand new to Clubhouse. You've been here less than seven days. Now we're in the audience Q&A. There are two ways for you to come up and ask questions. First, you can raise your hand. There's an icon in the bottom right. If you click on that, Manisha and I, we're moderators. We can bring you up on stage. And at that point, you can ask your question directly from Brock. Second way, if you're not able to speak, maybe you're in a loud place, you can send us your question and we'll read it on your behalf. We will read your name. So make sure you're okay with us reading your name. And also just a reminder, we are recording the show. So the questions you'll be asking, we will be recording it. So with that, we, it looks like BB, we have you on stage. Welcome. If you like to first introduce yourself and then please ask your question. Hi, good evening. My name is Bibi and I work for a bank. So I wanted to understand, you know, banks are in the business of lending. Tell us about how you generate demand. I mean, what in your business model, how do you find the mom and pop shops that for your business needs? Yeah, great question. So we have about 50,000 business owners that sign up to Lendio on a monthly basis. And those business owners find us in a bunch of different ways. One of the ways is through, we have probably about 200 different partners. So MasterCard, for example, is a partner. And you could go to MasterCard in different portals and apply for a loan through them. And it's, and it's really Lendio powering that or Heartland payment systems or web.com or the Hartford or staples.com. So we have like, you know, a couple hundred partners where you, when you're on their site and they say, you know, apply for a loan or you're qualified for a loan, or whatever, that's uh, usually coming through Lendio. So that's one way. But we also have a bunch that find us through online, whether that be Facebook or Google, or we have you know, email marketing. Or So we have a bunch of different customer acquisition channels that, and, mm -hmm. and a brand that we've built up that, that drives uh, quite a bit of traffic to us. 
during the the PPE session, what what percentage of 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 the loans were for people of color, or are you able to determine that or not when you make the loans? Yes, definitely, and I wish I had I I have the stats. I just I'm gonna I don't I'll might butcher them, but. One of the things that we were, I was literally the most proud of it during, during PPP is the impact we had on underserved small business communities, businesses that didn't have a relationship with their bank that maybe either were women owned businesses, minority owned businesses, or some businesses that were kind of just small businesses, the smallest of small businesses that banks didn't want to help. And so we, gosh, I, I wish I, 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 I could quote the numbers, but I think that the about 30, I think it's 38% mm-hmm. of all of our uh, small businesses that were funded were either business owners of color or women-owned businesses. And I think that's the right number. I just know that whatever the national average was on minority owned businesses, we were double. I think the national average, I can't remember with PPP and, and sorry, I I wish I had the stats in front of me, but I was, we doubled whatever the national average was of, of, of minority owned businesses getting funded. We, we actually more than uh, doubled that, that percentage. So that 38%, I can't remember that's the right number. And, uh, and I'm not at a place to pull up my stats, but it's okay. Uh, anyway, well, thank you for supporting our community. Yes. In fact, in post PPP, it's, it's, it is, we, we've done a partnership program with MasterCard, you know, where we call it the, uh, it's access to capital to underserved communities and you could Google it and some of the webinars and things that we've done, we've got quite a few lenders on our platform that we've gone out and found that specialize in the different minority communities. So that some that focus on the Hispanic community, others that focus on, you know, black owned businesses. We've done a bunch of programs around that. And, you know, I think that one of the things that we're passionate about is that everyone have access to capital, you know, regardless of racial background, regardless of gender, regardless of other things that, that they're looked at based on the profile of their, 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 their qualifications as a business and helping, you know, increase the number of the underserved communities that are getting access to capital. So it, it's something that we're, 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 our team has uh, done a lot around and we're pretty excited about. Great. Thank you. Thank you, BB. Over to you, Vinay, if you want to introduce yourself and then please ask your question. Sure. Thank you so much for this. And thank you so much, Brock, for for the time to explain things and great job supporting the small businesses. So I I am based out in Toronto, Canada, and I do work currently in the uh, startup ecosystem place, connecting uh, entrepreneurs, businesses, and communities, more from an economic development uh, point of view. So two questions to you. Number one would be, you know, you mentioned COVID kind of accelerated the, the, the precarious financial situation of the small businesses. So as a company, is there anything you're doing in terms of educating 
the small business owners, I do see Sunridge and you know uh, the cash flow uh, product you mentioned. But from an education perspective, how are you helping these uh, small business owners? Yeah, you know we. From an education perspective, we have a whole team that's dedicated to content and guidance for small businesses. So, you know, primarily in the form of we have email, we have newsletters that go out, we have webinars that we do, we have other blog posts and other content, and then we also have tools, especially within Sunrise, to help them manage their cash. And, and give them kind of the, the dials and dashboards that they need to be able to make good decisions around their business. You know, I think that what we found is, is we early on in, in my kind of journey through this business, we spent a lot of time focusing on education and because business owners you know, they, they, they need it. They, they need it. We all, I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur myself and I need it. But what we found is that they're, they're, they're less interested in the education and just more interested in just, I need, I need the loan. And, and once you get them alone, now they, now they're a lot more interested in the education around, okay, now I can get a loan. How can I use this loan effectively and, and make sure I put it to good use and I can get ROI out of it. So we've got a, a customer success team that once a business owner gets approved for a loan, we reach out, you know, we have a dedicated person who reaches out to them and, and we have a whole content program around kind of providing some of that education and like best practices and things they can do. But I also want to say like, I'm not, I don't want it to come across like we're, that that's like, we're the best you know, you want to do something that you're best in the world at, right? And we feel like, you know, we're the best in the world as a business loan marketplace. We're not the best in the world as kind of an education platform for helping those small business owners. And and we don't want to try and do that necessarily either. We'd rather partner with and work with groups like you or small business development centers or other resource centers where it's like, we'll help you get the loan. Let us refer you to other people who really focus on providing that guidance and education. Yeah, great, great, great point, Brock. Uh, thanks so much for that. And the second question is, you know, you, you as a small business owner, you know, I see that there are um, a multitude of products uh, available for me to access. So w- what has been the uh, uptick? Are there any trends you have seen in terms of cross-utilization of those products? Because if I come in, let's say I come in as a small business owner, I, I have Sunrise and then I start you know, more like an invoice funding, but then what has been the uptick from a customer point? If this is, if this is private data, no, 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 no worries, but just curious. When you say uptick, are you saying what is uh, like from one product to another product? Yes. Or are you yes. saying new product yes. categories that we see? No, from one product to another product, because I see that you have the small business term loans and then you have the yeah. cash flow and you also have the credit card. So just curious to know. Yep. So I, I will say 55% of our customers come back to us for a second, third, fourth, fifth loan, which is a stat we, we are really proud of, meaning we have high repeat customers. Usually when a business owner comes in, you know, whatever loan they're qualified for, 
we want their second product to be a higher, a larger loan in size if if it's that's what's good for them with a lower rate. And 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 so as they come in, they get a loan, they pay that down. What they do is they prove that their credit were you know the, the it improves their credit worthiness, and so they qualify usually for uh, a potentially larger loan size and, and a lower rate. And then we also, every time they come in, the, the application is trying to figure out what is the desired use of funds. So at first they may have come in for a working capital loan that they're going to use for payroll or marketing or something like that. But the second loan, it may be they're, they're trying to qualify for an equipment loan. They need to buy a piece of equipment. Well, then that evaluation process and that uptick is going to be a totally different, you know, experience when they're looking for an equipment loan or an SBA loan or a commercial real estate loan than it was with a working capital loan. So the uptick is that 55% number that they've come back to us for a second or third or fourth or fifth loan. No, great stuff. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much, Ambika no and Sure. Thanks, Vinay. Heather, welcome back. She's another Salt Lake City person. So go ahead, Heather, if you want to introduce yourself. <laughs> yes. So my name is Heather and I work for a fintech company, also a startup. Brock, can you walk us through a use case? If I were a small business needing a commercial mortgage loan, what does the application process look like? Do you underwrite the loans or do the, do the lenders have you have their own custom underwriting models that you facilitate? Great question. So business owner comes to Lendio as they're completing the application. We are pulling bank data. So six months of bank statements. We do a soft pull on their credit. We, depending on the loan product, usually pull tax return data and then other questions or documents, depending on the product the quali- that they qualify for. We, th- we have a proprietary algorithm that goes through our hundreds of lenders and and as the business owners filling out that information we are matching and we're both matching and eliminating lenders from that that the 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 match set so and we're doing it based on the 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 likelihood that the borrower would accept a loan from that lender so, and so that by the time they get through that application process, we have narrowed it down to usually five to seven lenders that we feel like it's a great fit for the borrower and the borrower is highly likely to accept an offer if they got one from that lender. Then we send that application off to that lender through an API. They underwrite it and then send back to us an offer or a decline. And then we present those offers to the business owner in a way they can uh, comparison shop them. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Heather. And Vahid, hi, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself and ask your question? Yeah, sure. Thank you for having the room. Thank you for taking the time and, and kind of educating us on this. What would what would you say, Brooke, would be the the top two loans that independent freelancers apply for and they get a what are the top two? Because in, in your website, there's a lot of different types. And um, what have you seen is the fastest approval rate? Yeah, so usually it's a cash flow loan, which means that the bank is 
underwriting the bank data, your cash flow in, in your business bank account? You know, I'll tie in an answer. One of the biggest challenges and actually the biggest opportunity right now is like coming out of the pandemic. In the last year, there have been more new business starts in the last year than any year in the history of the U.S., meaning more entrepreneurs have started new businesses. And there, a lot of those businesses are independent contractors, sole props, this gig economy. And as a business lender, that's, that's, there's some real challenges to underwriting that, that customer because a lot of times they're a sole proprietor, they don't have a business bank account, and so you're mixing personal and business financials. And so there's a couple of things that I would mention with that. The first thing is is to the, kind of highly recommended for any sole props or independent contractors or gig economy is to create a business, a true business bank account, and so that you can track and there is visibility into and, and to be able to underwrite that, that loan. And, that, and whether that's, that cash loan is a line of credit or a term loan or whatever, but they're really trying to underwrite based off of the cash flow of the business. The second thing I would say is less of a recommendation and just more of what's happening in the market is one of the things we're super excited about is to see the new lenders that are coming on board that are focusing on this, they call it a prosumer, this where, where you are underwriting not only it's a business, but you're actually looking at the, the consumer, like looking at their their credit score and their their cash flow and things like that. And so you're kind of mixing the underwriting of whether it's it doesn't have to be just the business financials, it can be both. And there's some there's some a lot of innovation and a, and a lot and a pretty big opportunity there with all of these new not new, but a lot of kind of sole prop customers. So Hopefully that answers your question and give you a little bit of recommendations on how banks think about underwriting that type of uh, small business customer. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll check out the website more. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks, Vahid. Now we have lots of questions from the back channel. So I'll just start first with Therese. She's here in the audience and she would like to understand more about your customers. So this is now the demand side. She, she's wanting to know what's an average revenue size for some of the businesses that you're helping. Average revenue would probably be, that's uh, probably around a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue a year. Okay. Average loan size is around $30,000. Nice. Okay. I'll move next to Anand, then he has a few questions. So I'll start first with the simple one. And he's wanting to know if you partner with Amex, like Amex, American Express. Yep. Yeah, Amex okay. is our, one, of, mm-hmm. one of our largest lenders on our platform. Has this been successful? Has this partnership been successful? Hugely successful. Yeah, we are very proud partners of American Express and and love the way that they are innovative, they embrace technology, they're passionate about small business. And, you know, we're, yeah, it's going very well. 
Okay, if I may, is there a fear of brand erosion, Brock, with Amex, for instance, given that they're sort of layered right in the marketplace? Fear from their perspective? Right. I don't think so. I mean, because I don't know how to, I mean, I'm biased, right? So, I, I mean, I, I'll just say that, you know, Amex, I think if you were to kind of interview them, in private and I wasn't there, I think they would tell you that we are one of their top and most preferred partners. They, the quality of the customers that we're bringing to them is uh, incredibly high because we do a lot of the kind of screening and, and matching them. So we know exactly kind of who their customer is and what that looks like. And we send them a lot of volume. So if they didn't do it with us, like a lender would, go out. I mean, obviously a lot of people know Amex, but that doesn't mean that business owners always know all the different loan products that Amex have. And, and, and so the, it's a high customer acquisition cost for Amex to be able to go and try and do it on their own. And they do, they do a lot on their own, but to be able to have us bringing them only the best kind of qualified customers based on their, their loan products is a real and do it with a lot of volume is something that they, they love about the partnership. Got it. Thank you. Okay. And the other set of questions that Anand has is around your, the growth prospects. So he wants to know how, what do you expect to be the most profitable growth channel for you in terms of the next three years? Um, well, partners, the partner program that we have is, is something that we grow through partners and through channels. We've got a, a dedicated team that's going out and adding new partners and, and building the API connections and making those work and, and doing it at scale. And the conversion rate is high. And, and there's just a lot there that is that you know, we just as an organization have decided to grow through those partner channels. So, you know, if, if I were to answer that with just one, that's what I would say is the partner channel, even though that incorporates a couple hundred partners. Right. Okay. Then we also have Sharath. He's asking more about one of your recent acquisitions. Uh, you acquired Lasso's loan origination and underwriting tech platform. And he's wanting to know, does this imply that Lendio will also be underwriting business loans going forward? Great question. So we will, you know, we are not a balance sheet lender. We're not going to be a lender ourselves. But as I mentioned earlier about kind of these growth opportunities for us, one of them being that we think a lot of banks and credit unions want to be able to offer online loans in an automated way and we have relationships with all a lot of these banks and so we chose to go and acquire an underwriting engine that we felt like was the best underwriting engine out there so that we can sell that that SaaS platform and license it to banks and credit unions so no we are not going to be a lender and underwrite the loans ourselves, but we are going to enable banks and credit unions based on their underwriting and their credit policy to offer it to their small business customers. Wonderful. Thank you. And then I have two more questions from the back channel. One, another one's from Daniela. She's also in the audience. She's dialing in from New York, uh, from Mexico, excuse me. 
And uh, she's also curious about your partnership with Camino Financial, which offers business loans to entrepreneurs in Mexico. And uh, yep. Daniela is dialing in from there. Actually, Camino Financial is scheduled to come on our show in January, so we also know them. So curious to know, is this a pathway for you to expand outside of the United States through partnerships such as Camino Financial? Yes, yeah, so we love, that was actually, uh, when we were talking about minority-owned businesses earlier, the partnership we have with Camino Financial is uh, one of the ones that we're, we're very, very proud of. We've done some webinars and some other things with, and we send them a lot of, a lot of customers. So Camino, right now, we're primarily focused in the U.S. We have secondarily some loan opportunities in, in Canada, but we, we plan to expand south to Mexico and, and eventually. I don't know what the time frame is. It, it, it depends on the, the amount of lenders that we can add to our platform and, and kind of what the customer acquisition looks like and, and kind of language, uh, you know, the technology that we need to build into our platform. But so we, it's kind of like one of those, we, yeah, we want to expand internationally and especially Mexico would be a high priority, but we don't have it on any, any sort of near-term roadmap. Got it. And this question is from me. I'm just tagging on and I want to know also your partnership with Key. I'm a huge yep. fan of them. They provide microloans to entrepreneurs in developing countries. Could you tell us a little bit about your partnership with Kiva and what you're, what you're doing there? Yes. So Kiva, we're, we are one of the top partners on Kiva as far as number of loans funded. There's very few that have funded as much or more than Lendio. And what, what we decided to do a long time ago was create what we call Lendio Gives. We don't publish, we don't make it a big deal and do a bunch of marketing around it, even though we could, but we, 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 we said, you know what, we think there's an opportunity to make an impact outside of the U.S., especially in third world countries on, and through entrepreneurship. We believe in entrepreneurship and the impact it has on the lives of individuals. And so we said for every loan that we fund on our platform, we also want to fund a you know an entrepreneur in a third world country and and so we decided to do that through kiva but the way that it works is it's it's the money to fund those loans comes from our our lendio employees our team members so we asked them to sacrifice a cup of coffee a lunch you know a pair of shoes, a dinner, something, whatever it is. I don't care if it's a dollar a month or a hundred dollars a month, but we ask them to contribute to this. And then whatever our team members put in, the company matches. And that created our pool of, of funds. And then we go out on a monthly basis and fund thousands of these loans. And the loans sometimes are $25 or it's a hundred dollars or it's you know, $300 and 90% of the, the people that we're lending to are women, third world countries. And a lot of times they're buying, like they're buying a goat and they, they get the goat's milk and they sell it and, and they create a, an income for themselves or they, or they just see incredible fascinating, or they, you know, they, they're able to make custom handbags or all these amazing things. 
And the payoff on those loans is so high, and, and meaning they don't default. And we take the, the payoff and we, it's evergreen. So we recycle it back into a fund. And we, in the next month, we are now able to fund 1,500 loans. And then it's 2,000 loans. And it's just this evergreen fund where we're, we're helping these, uh, these entrepreneurs and throughout the world. And so it's our Lendio Gives program, something that we're really, really uh, proud of and know is, is, is making a, an impact. And so that's what we do through Kiva. Wonderful. Thank you, Brock. I know you have a hard stop in two minutes. So the last question I'll ask you is, it's from James. He's also in the audience and he's asking, how does Lendio plug in the, a new lender into your marketplace? In other words, what's the onboarding process for a lender? Yeah, so we have a team that's dedicated to doing the analysis. We're trying to look at a few things. One, primarily, what is the customer experience? Like, there are lenders out there that, you know, we just, from a branding perspective, they don't take great good care of their customers, and we don't want to, we would prefer not to add them to our marketplace. So we look at customer experience. Secondly, we look at, is it a unique loan product that will you know, something new to our marketplace that, that we don't already have because we want additional new loan products and new options. Third, we look at is there, what's the technology like? Do they, can they, is it automated or is it a completely manual? And then we look at four, we look at kind of their business practices and financial performance. Do they have the capital? Do they, do they give just like business practices and our ability to partner. And then last we look at their, are they well capitalized to fund the volume that we could send them? We don't want to bring on someone and they can only do 10 loans or whatever. Uh, so there's a few things that we evaluate that uh, we go through and put out a scorecard that to determine whether uh, it makes sense to add them on our marketplace or not. Great. Well, with that, we're out of time. So thank you so much, Brock. I want to be mindful. You mentioned a few times that you had a hard time. So I want to be mindful. Thank you for your time. And I personally learned a lot. And I think I can speak for the entire audience. Uh, this was very insightful. Thank you for your time today. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having me. Hopefully we were able to answer a bunch of the questions. And, and thanks for doing this FinTech Cafe. It's awesome to have this conversation on a weekly basis and, and learn. So I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of it. Certainly. Knowledge share. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, for the audience, next week will be our last show for the year, and we'll have eToro. This is our first crypto fintech, and we'll have the CEO for the U.S. operations of eToro. Same time, Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, next, next week. So hope to see you then. Until then, have a good week. <laughs> Bye.